While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Welcome to Overdue. <laughs> it's a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. And we're all oh about the goodness. books. Books and books and books. Books are good. Actually, I read a book not for the show. Whoa. I don't, I don't know if it would be very Whoa. fun to talk about. There's a new um there's a new biography of Phil Hartman out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's and um kind of timely considering all the like Simpson Palooza that's happening lately, right? Not that he was like the biggest part of the Simpsons, but it's memorable. He yeah, and he was around for the entire time that the Simpsons was good. Like you could I'm not gonna say that they were directly correlated because there are a lot of factors sure. there, I think. But, sure. But yeah, he is strongly associated with like the good years of the Simpsons. That seems a fair ass- assessment. I don't know, like I I thought that the book was interesting but one there wasn't I don't think there was a whole lot in it that I didn't already know at least like as far as his career stuff went okay cuz you know he he lived you know he did, he did stuff pretty much in public so yeah yeah, yeah like yeah. there are not secret SNL episodes that nobody <laughs> saw <laughs> um and then the second thing is that you know because he had such a tragic death. Yeah. The whole thing is just kind of laden with foreshadowing of that the whole time. Which is, I don't, it's hard to avoid, right? It's hard. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I was expecting the book to be a little bit funnier than it was. but And it was really exhaustive, but it was kind of dry. Which is a shame because um, he's such a colorful, wonderful character. Yeah, he's like, he's a really, really funny guy. But the book kind of makes him into this tragic figure yeah because you get the i don't know you get the you get the idea that he's always playing second fiddle to somebody else or he's like part of an ensemble but he's not himself breaking out yeah Hmm. Um, so i don't i i I enjoyed it but i yeah i don't think it's i don't think it's gonna be a good book for the show necessarily i just thought i thought i mentioned it like this is a two for episode that was our episode on (laughs) (laughs) You might remember me, The Life and Times of Phil Hartman by Mike Thomas. I was I was <laughs> I was prepared to talk about beds and breakfasts as well if we if we needed anything else to talk about. I don't know that we which, do. Okay, which if you had to take one and leave the other, which would would it be the bed or the breakfast? In what context? Do you mean forever and ever I only no, get just beds like if, or breakfasts? If you came to the house and the person met you and they were like, All right, we're we're fresh out of one, but we have plenty of the other which would you rather <laughs> do i g- which w- which would you rather have do i get to see a, an example bed or example breakfast first no no you wouldn't get to see a bed and a breakfast if you're st- saying it a better equipped bed and breakfast <laughs> i think i'm gonna go with bed okay because I need to sleep and there are other places I can get food. But if I've already gone to a place and they said we have food or beds, 
I think I'm choosing beds. That's that's why a bed or breakfast never caught on, I think. <laughs> what did, I don't know. What did you want to talk I about? I just wanted to, to give a pro tip to all the people out there. Go into beds and breakfasts. I noticed somebody at a recent bed and breakfast I was staying not embrace this. If you're going to a bed and breakfast, you are going to have breakfast with strangers. You got to roll with that. You got to lean into it. You can't just show up to breakfast and go, what? I don't want to sit at that table. There's already people there. Like, you have to bump elbows with strangers. It's part of the B&B experience. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And the other part of the experience is you probably are going to hear people having vacation sex at some point. We might have heard that. Yeah, we definitely did that that bed and breakfast that we stayed at for that wedding. Oh, yeah. In June. Oh, no, really? The night that we got there, we definitely heard people. Oh, no. I would like, get it, man. Go for it. Yeah, it's a B&B. It's a B&B. <laughs> you paying good money for this. B. <laughs> Third B for banging. Yikes. Yikes. You took it there. <laughs> I did. Let's take it to a book or something. What's the, What is book did you read? I already talked about the one I read. I read, uh, in, as part of our double feature, I read The Legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving. Yeah, it's it's not quite October yet, but we're gearing up for a pretty spooky month. It's going to be a spooky month, we hope. Uh, we got a lot of suggestions on the Facebook page, so thanks for that, guys. We'll talk about that later. Um, but that got a really warm reception, so I'm very excited about that. Andrew, before we dive into this book or dive into Washington Irving, I have a short quiz for you. It might be a little easy, all right? But I think okay. I, th- I think I want to toss this at you. At you. Washington Irving had a penchant for goofy character names. Okay. All right. Some of them he made up. Some of them are just kind of super Dutch. So to our English ears, they sound a little goofy. Okay. Um, he also had a lot of pen names, which I thought were funny. But So I have a quiz for you that is Washington Irving character or Nintendo bad guy. <laughs> Okay, so All I'll right. give you two easy ones right off the okay. bat. Okay, Van Winkle. That's that's Irving. All right, here's another easy one. Magikoopa. That's Mario. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Okay. Brom Bones. <laughs> that that's that's Irving. That is Washington Irving. Good work. Okay, good. I, you can see why I wanted to do this before we talked about Sleepy <laughs> Hollow. Okay, Money Bags. Irving also. Nope, that's a Nintendo. Oh no, it's Nintendo. Okay. Madame Clairvoya. That's Irving. Nope, that's a Nintendo. Oh man. Wait, what? <laughs> that's a character from Luigi's Mansion. <laughs> okay. Vanderdonk. Irving. I'm yes, Vander. Yep. Okay. Vanderdonk. Doctor <laughs> Doctor Sporus von Fungenstein. That. Has got to be Nintendo because it's it's like a mushroom name. It is a mushroom name. That is Nintendo, okay. correct? <laughs> Herman von Starkenfaust, Irving, correct? Nice. How am I? Are you keeping score? I'm not keeping score. Or do we have like a lightning round at the end? No. This you've got like you're over fifty percent, I think. Okay. Fattington, <laughs> Irving, Nintendo. No. <laughs> 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 Horace von Ripper. Oh man, that um Irving. Irving, correct. 
Okay. And last one, Gary. Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> Good work. Thanks. <laughs> so roll the dice on that one. I yeah. One of the reasons that I thought of that is that um, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow was actually published in its first iteration as part of the Sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon, which I think is okay. a great name. Was he like Harold's dad? Yeah, it was like Harold's dad. Uh, he had Harold a purple crayon. Purple no, crayon. I understand yeah. okay. the crayon reference. I just want to make sure the readers, the listeners got it. Oh, yes, our, our loyal readers. Um, yes. <laughs> So I know you did a little bit of reading about Irving. I did I did some myself. He seemed to have a penchant for kind of writing under pseudonyms and creating personae as he was doing his early satirical writings at like the turn of the 19th century, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the term Knickerbocker, that is the actual long word for the New York Knicks. Um, is a term that he came up with. I think it was Abner Knickerbocker or something. I really like that story. Uh, what? The whole Knickerbocker story because um, he did. He wrote this book called A History of New York. Yes. And um, to generate public interest in it because apparently the public was like way easier to get the attention <laughs> of. Back in the day, he did... He basically invented viral marketing. Yeah. By publishing this letter in the newspaper that was like, if anybody knows where Diedrich Knickerbocker is, I found this manuscript. And if nobody <laughs> steps forward to claim it, I'm just going to publish it. <laughs> and yeah. And he- the public was totally like the police were like, oh, man, we better put out an APB for this Knickerbocker guy. I hope we can find him. So gullible, everybody. Yeah, that's. I mean, we kind of talked a little bit about that with Mark Twain, right? Did he do some of that? I don't. I don't really remember. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I, it feels like some shenanigans that he would not go in for, but I could be wrong. <laughs> uh, but so Washington Irving is is why I think he could get away with this is he was largely credited as the first American writer. Uh, he was born. 1783 so like just after the revolutionary war ended and he ended up starting his writing career in the in the real sense with all his his short stories while he was living in england which is kind Mm -hmm. of ironic uh but a lot of the the next generation of writers like edgar Allan poe and, and other guys kind of credited him as the forefather um Nathaniel Hawthorne, Herman Melville, all those guys. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's he's considered to be one of the first authors who could actually make a living at it, or at least American authors who could make a living at it. Yes. But I feel like that's also been said of Poe. Like, I think that that's said of several different authors. <sighs> yeah, that's fair. Who came up, like, in or near this, this time period. Well, and the thing I kept reading about uh, Irving is that as he moved through different phases of his life, he had to write a new type of story every time he started getting low on cash. <laughs> right. <laughs> he was writing these like Abner Doubleday, not Doubleday, that's the baseball guy, Abner Knickerbocker uh, <laughs> satires, and then he moved on to writing this sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon after the War of 1812, and everyone got bankrupt, so he moved to England. And then he came back and he started writing kind of romantic history novels. Did you ever see that thing where he was credited as part of the per- like the purveyors of the flat earth myth? Did you see that no. nonsense? What? 
So when you learned about Christopher Columbus, Andrew, yeah, were you taught that Europeans at that time thought the Earth was flat? Yes. So apparently that was not true. Okay. And one of the people we have to blame for this theory is Washington Irving. What did he do? <laughs> he wrote a like quote unquote biography of Christopher Columbus, which apparently at the time was pretty fashionable where you kind of mix historical fact with just whatever you make up. <laughs> uh, right. And one of the things he made up was that all the Europeans at the time were like, yo, that thing is flat. What are you doing? You can't go that far. You're going to fall off the edge. (laughs) And so, you know, in addition to kicking off America's literary movement, he also kicked off America's dumbness movement, which proceeds to this day. Yeah. I mean, can we really attribute American dumbness straight to him? Like, (laughs) Probably already We thought that ruining a bunch of tea was like the best way to get what we wanted. (laughs) Yeah, we haven't come very far. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, I dumped a bunch of tea in the harbor today. <laughs> Did you get what you wanted? I was upset about Obama and his drones, so I threw a bunch of tea in there. Was it chai? It was green tea. Because chai is just another word for tea, guys. We got to figure this out. <laughs> ATM machine. Chai tea. Chai tea. Tai chi. Um... What is this one other thing? Oh, when you when you mentioned earlier about um Irving's like viral marketing stuff. He mm-hmm. came from a time when the world was much smaller when you could name your child after George Washington and then just cuz you lived in New York City, your kid could meet George Washington when he was 6. <laughs> that just happened. That just happened. That's, cool. that's I mean that's pretty cool. I know when we sent out our wedding invitations, Susanna knew that there were some like business entities like um mickey mouse or whoever like you could send (laughs) you could send them an invitation to your wedding and you just get like a form postcard back okay congratulating you on your on your nuptials have you gotten that yet we did we got it the other day and i was like what is this mickey mouse card (laughs) oh that must be what it is. That's probably like the form letter I received when I wrote a letter to Kellogg's telling them that the dinosaur on the back of their box was anatomically incorrect when I was <laughs> seven. Or like the time that I sent Nintendo a video game that I wanted to be made. <laughs> They're not allowed to I look at those. Up, I filled up, and I don't know if this is still anywhere. I think it's been lost of time. I filled up uh, to both sides of a cassette tape <laughs> with my pitch. With you talking into a camera? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, into my Talkboy tape recorder. (laughs) And and I had a bunch of concept art that I'd sent in, and I had a letter also. And I was pretty sure that they were going to, I was pretty sure they were going to make it. Who did you address it to? Mr. Nintendo? To Nintendo of America. I think I found, I don't know where I found their address. I don't think the internet was a thing yet. Probably Nintendo Power or something. Yeah, I probably like flipped through the yellow pages or something and just found it under Nintendo. My God. They're not allowed to look at those, Andrew. They throw they them away. They sent it all back to me. They said they couldn't keep it. Oh, that's that's cool. Yeah, I should have sent it to Sega. They would have made yeah, it. Yeah, Sega will do what Nintendo. You know that's yeah, for sure. Make my amazing 
magnum opus of a video game. <laughs> it's called magnum opus, I bet, too. <laughs> uh, was there anything else you want to talk about Washington Irving? <laughs> oh, just that my favorite of his pseudonyms is uh, Jonathan Oldstyle. Oh, Jonathan Oldstyle. Yeah, didn't he use that? Wasn't that part of his further critiques of just like New York soci- high society? Yeah, yeah, he would um he'd submit commentaries on the city's social and theater scene under the name of Jonathan Oldstyle. Oh my god. What a so great guy. So basically if you had if you had a pen name for whenever you wrote your crank letters to the editor <laughs> about stuff. Uh so he's also obviously famously known for Rip Van Winkle. Uh if you recall that story about that guy who fell asleep and got real old. Mhm. Um so his two big stories are are Van Winkle and Legend of Sleepy Hollow, which were published, as I said before, uh, in that book by a made-up guy called Jeffrey Crayon. Uh, <laughs> it's Jeffrey Crayon, comma, gentleman. Um, <laughs> so there's that. It's awful presumptive. Uh, now, have you read The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, Andrew? I have not read it. I read Rip Van Winkle like way back in high school, I think. I feel but... like we did a play of Rip Van Winkle when I was in like el- elementary school. We were not prepared to deal with the existential crises of a man who wakes up and all of his family's like dead or aged <laughs> 20 years. <laughs> we are not ready for that. What was what the makeup like? Did you get a little beard or something? I did, I did not play Rip Van Winkle. I think we just shoved a Santa Claus beard on some guy's face. Who did you play? Who are you? I don't know if I was in it. I don't think there are that many people in that play. It's like Rip and Mrs. Van Winkle, and that's it, right? I, yeah, that's... Well, no, there's a daughter and a son and a dog who dies and okay. a bunch of drunk ghosts. Cool. I think. Not, I'm yeah, not that's quite what we sure. do in, in musicals every time. We had a bunch of like chorus kids that didn't have parts. We just put drunk ghosts. We, like, yeah, we're You're a good man, Charlie Brown, but with drunk ghosts. I pro- <laughs> look out for the drunk ghost of the Red Baron. Oh no! Um, I promise we're going to talk about this book sometime. But in fourth grade, we did a production of a musical called Frankly Franklin, which okay. is about Ben Franklin. <laughs> right? Sure. And I was the narrator during the scene where, while he's publishing Poor Richard's Almanac, Ben Franklin is also like anonymously answering wanted letters like like uh you know romantic want ads okay and like going on dates with dudes or something i remember there was a whole song about it dudes yeah he was tricking them it was weird huh and i played a colonial narrator and i had a giant cast on my foot (laughs) so i broke my foot that week Oh, okay. So I, really... I thought that was part of the character. <laughs> I had a really modern like boot on my foot and wearing a tri-corner hat. It was pretty sweet. Huh. Uh, that was also the show where Ben Franklin's gout had a song. That's <laughs> Wait, did the gout sing or was it the gout just Oh, the, the gout song? sang. The gout oh, wore no. orange sweatpants and a sweatshirt oh. and was like he was he was the personification of like Ben Franklin's self-doubt and loathing. I don't think that's how gout works. I but don't okay. think that's how it works either. So, Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, which man. Is one of those, which is one of those 
legends that pretty much everyone has been exposed to, but maybe fewer people have read the source book. Yeah. People are probably watching the popular show on Fox. I don't know if it's popular or if it's actually on Fox, but it is on Fox. I saw part of it on airplane. It's yeah. It's, I saw an episode of that show was unimpressed, but this is about books. So I did not know what this story was. I knew there was a headless horseman. Mm-hmm. I knew it took place in Terrytown, New York, aka or North Terrytown is now Sleepy Hollow, uh, and I knew that that's kind of where Washington Irving spent some time after he was told to leave New York City during the Yellow Fever outbreak when he was like five or six. So he grew affectionate for the Terrytown area, which had a lot of Dutch settlers, and one of the the things about Irving is that he was kind of widely regarded for writing stories that were just written to entertain. Like they don't have a lot of, they don't have a lot of purposeful meat on their bones, if that makes sense. Sure. Uh, and I don't know if that's terribly true, but you you get the sense it's a, it's a leaner tale. It's just kind of supposed to exist. Yeah. Um, like what is the what's the plot that what what happens? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> so we go a couple pages. He's talking about how cool sleepy hollow is and he he tells you about the legend of this horseman right off the bat what do you know about the horseman andrew and your version of every version you've heard of this he has no head Uh uh-huh and he's a horseman great perfect so (laughs) he is the ghost of a hessian soldier from the revolutionary war okay uh, those were like the german uh mercenaries that were helping us and his head was shot off by a cannonball and so he rides around carrying his head on his ghost horse Mm -hmm. um and he talks about that and he talks about how legends like this persist in these like sleepy dutch towns uh where they can kind of take root and grow in a way that other communities in america at that time can't uh, which is, I was building to that, it's kind of the closest thing to a societal commentary that uh, I think Irving has, is this sense that other communities at that time, the nation was so young that there was a lot of transience, there was a lot of first generation people over over off the boat from England, mm-hmm. you would move to the next town for better opportunities, uh, you didn't really have a lot tying you into one, any one place. Uh, and these ethnic Dutch communities felt a lot more rooted where uh, something like this could take place. And and Irving seemed to be very taken with that and kind of romanticized that element of it. Mm -hmm. So Ichabod Crane, whom you may have heard of, is a teacher coming in from Connecticut, uh, which Irving says um, puts out equal parts like journeyers and teachers <laughs> like scholars and adventurers coming out of connecticut okay uh, and crane is definitely a scholar he has like giant feet and giant hands and he's super lanky and awkward and he's a really strict teacher he uh he lives by the whole spare uh spare the rod spoil the child maxim sure uh to... how many kids does he hit in this book it doesn't say exactly but there's a but passage does, where he says he, that okay. like most of all the kids in the room were really silent so most of them must have gotten punished recently by Ichabod Crane 
Right. Um, and Ichabod is super into legends and tales and like witchcraft and stuff. He likes reading all these scary stories and he may or may not believe that they're real. So sounds like a fun guy to get a beer with. Yeah, I don't think so. He <laughs> he also has a really big appetite for being almost crane-like as Irving describes him, very skinny and yada yada yada. Um, he he has a big appetite and he is crane-like. Yes, they're not, not yeah, they're not related. He has a big appetite for <laughs> for being <laughs> crane-like. Yo, I'm super into being like a crane. Whoop whoop. Yeah, it's not it's not Ichabod Crane. Um so he he's kind of popular among the women in town, the like the not the younger ladies, but the the older the mothers the of, of yeah. <laughs> uh the mothers of the of the children he like beats at school, I guess. <laughs> um because he carries like stories from the other towns that he's been in. He's called the Walking Gazette. He has like gossip that he can bring, and it's very interesting. And I think he also, what does it also say? He's popular because he's read a couple books thoroughly, <laughs> mm-hmm. which in that kind of language seems really insufficient. Like he's just <laughs> read two books like, like yeah. a bunch of times. <laughs> he's read a few books, I guess. That's why they like him. Um, Oh, what? yeah, there's the quote. He was, moreover, esteemed by the women as a man of great erudition, for he had read several books quite through. <laughs> okay. Uh, super into witchcraft, which he definitely believed in. Okay. And he's also into Katrina Van Tassel. Who's Katrina Van Tassel? She is the town coquette. She what is... What is a coquette? Okay. <laughs> So, she was a blooming lass of fresh 18, plump as a partridge, ripe and melting and rosy-cheeked as one of her father's peaches, and universally famed not merely for her beauty, but her vast expectations. (laughs) What? uh, What? uh, That description makes me more uncomfortable than any description of a person like... Since Fifty Shades, probably. <laughs> I could hear it as I was saying it. I found myself slipping into the Fifty Shades voice because you were getting Ugh. so like grossed out. I it's... don't like. It. <laughs> so she just—it doesn't. So this ripe and plump as a partridge lass of eighteen. Uh huh. She's like Ichabod's into her. Yeah, Ichabod's She's into in... her. Okay. She is. Everybody in town is into Katrina Van Tassel. Right. Uh, she likes to display the prettiest foot and ankle in the country round. Oh, that's very risque. It is very risque. Um, doesn't say that she's necessarily a bad person. It's just that, you know, she's using what she got to get what she can get. All right. Uh, I think in this time period that she was a bad person would have been implied by that. But let's give Irving the benefit of the doubt there, I guess. Yeah, I suppose. Um, and then... As Irving tells us, Ichabod had a soft and foolish heart towards the sex. Just, I ran, I had to Google that sentence to make sure it wasn't a typo. That is a legit thing that Washington Irving put in a story. Okay. That just struck me funny if I ever heard one. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, (laughs) So he's super into her, not just because she's pretty and because she likes to show off how pretty she is, 
But her father is this really well-to-do farmer. All right, he's got a lot of land. Most importantly, he's got a lot of animals on his farm. There is a page-long part of this story where Ichabod Crane imagines how every animal on this farm is going to get cooked. Like, he is super into eating. All right. (laughs) In his devouring mind's eye, he pictured to himself every roasting pig running about with a pudding in his belly and an apple in his mouth. The pigeons were put snugly to bed in a comfortable pie and tucked in with a coverlet of crust. This goes on for a page, Andrew. He That's so he he just wants to marry Katrina and then eat all of her animals. Uh-huh. And then leave the family ruined. Well, and he's going to like sell all the land and move to Kentucky or the Lord knows where. End quote. <laughs> all right. So it's interesting because it's this is halfway through the story now. The only dude we've met is Ichabod Crane. He's presumptively our hero, and he's a ravenous, skinny dude who's a mean teacher. And he believes in ghosts. And he and believes witchcraft. in ghosts and it has the hots for Katrina Van Tassel. He's a kid-beating, gluttonous, lecherous <laughs> witchcraft guy. Yeah, so keep in mind, we are halfway through, and I have not been spooked. I was promised a spooky tale. Yeah, come on. What's this legend going to be like if it's not going to be spooky? So the next character we meet... Actually, Ichabod's kind of giving me the creeps. That kind of counts as... I guess I could describe myself as spooked. Spooked. So the next person we meet... Uh, is Ichabod's main competition for Katrina's hand. All right. Now keep in mind, nothing has really happened. We've learned about that. We've learned about Ichabod's penchant for food and Katrina and himself. And we've learned that she's a coquette and that one of the ways that he spends time with her is by teaching her. He has like, he holds singing lessons with her. All right. So that's like... Is he licensed or is he just... I don't know. He just wants to be around it, her. I he think. just wants to be around her. Um, it sounds like a Seinfeld, like <laughs> like a George plot or something where he pretends to be a singer so he can spend time with a girl. Yeah. And every lesson he doesn't actually sing or teach her. He just finds a reason for every lesson to end sh- shortly, but with yeah, them yeah, hugging yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the com- main competitor... Is Brom Van Brunt, the hero name. of the country round. Um, his nickname, Andrew, is Brom Bones. <laughs> okay. For his Herculean frame and great powers of limb. Uh, yeah, that's what it's for. Yeah, that's <laughs> Definitely. It's just a t- I imagine he has a t-shirt with his face on it. It says Brom Bones. <laughs> Just a skull and crossbones that he wears. Just like a t-shirt with the sleeves cut off. <laughs> He's listening to like Slayer the whole time. Uh, so Brom Bones has like a, a gang of like guys. He's like the Gaston of the village. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. And uh, one of the primary quotes that would happen in the town is if something like some sort of prank was played or, or some mischief happened. 
someone would say, aye, there goes Brom Bones and his gang. And then everyone would go, oh, he's so great. It's What a great prank, Brom Bones. And he's, <laughs> no one would be upset about it at all. All right. Uh, I think I like him more than Ichabod at this point. Yeah, I kind of do too, which is weird. <laughs> I know you're not supposed to like Gaston, but... No, you're, know, not, maybe... you're not supposed to, but... Yeah. Maybe if you just had, if you met the right person who could make him be a little more introspective, then he would be fine. Yeah, Gaston just needs a little, like, he just needs some time really looking in the mirror. Who am I? Not, and he probably looks, he's pretty handsome. Like, he probably looks in the mirror. Anyway, when was Beauty and the Beast? 93? No, I mean, when in time? Like, did they have mirrors? AD 70. I don't know. I don't think they're, like... It, there's a candle instead of like a lamp, so it's before electricity. Yes, and they, but they did have books, so it was post printing press. Okay, I'll I'll think about this. All right, you come back to me on that. All right. So the best way that Ichabod Crane is gonna get with Katrina Van Tassel is he is gonna show up at her dad's party, Romeo and Juliet style, and he's gonna woo her. He can't go tete-a-tete with Brom Bones because Brom Bones is going to beat him up. And Brom Bones knows that Ichabod Crane is into her. So he's been playing pranks on Ichabod Crane and trying to embarrass him in front of everybody. Okay. So Ichabod Crane's working at a bit of a disadvantage. All right. Still, I am three quarters of the way through the story. No ghosts. No ghosts. <laughs> Ghost watch. No ghosts. So... They get to the party. There's lots of food. There's lots of excited people. There's lots of pretty people. There's Brom Bones and the boys. There's Katrina Van Tassel. Ichabod Crane shows up on a beaten up old horse called Gumpowder. All right. (laughs) Who he rented from a dude named Horace Van Ripper. All right. All right. It's a pretty good horse name. Pretty good horse name. Pretty good dude name. The party gets underway. Ichabod comes alive from eating the way that some people come alive from drinking. All right. He gets in real good spirits when he eats. He gets drunk off pie. He gets drunk off pie. (laughs) Of goose pie. And then they strike up the band. They strike up the music. Ichabod prided himself upon his dancing as much as upon his vocal powers. Not a limb, not a fiber about him was idle. And to have seen his loosely hung frame in full motion and clattering about the room, you would have thought St. Vitus himself, that blessed patron of the dance, was figuring before you in person. He was the dance. He was the admiration of all the Negroes. What? Whoa. Whoa, Whoa Washington Why do you have to make this racist? I just, Come on. I, he was super weird. It just took a turn there for a second. So he's good at dancing. I don't know if he's good, Andrew. I think he might be like me. I think So everybody just pays attention to him while he's dancing. <laughs> yes. And he's so enthusiastic about it that everybody just kind of gives him a pass. Yeah. Uh, no one there's the only it says that a bunch of the other people uh specifically black people were really into into him but it doesn't say that anyone else liked his dancing it just says that brom bones was looking at him and that he danced with katrina that's it I, okay i think he made a fool out of himself i think there might have been a lampshade on his head i don't i don't know for certain right. he is 
pie wasted. <laughs> um, I've got so much pie in me. I gotta dance it out. Uh, so then, like you do, Andrew, like every good party after the dancing, you tell ghost stories. Sure. Right. You just tell your favorite ghost stories. You recount your yeah. favorite episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Like you actually do. every yeah every party I've been to <laughs> seems to devolve into an Are You Afraid of the Dark discussion. So, uh, so they start talking about that. He starts telling some of the stories that he likes, and then he thinks he's gonna he's gonna propose. He's gonna make his move. He's proven. <laughs> this is all happening real fast. He's yeah. proven that he is um, an amazing dancer, that he can eat all of the pie. Okay. And that he is world renowned for his ghost stories. Okay. So he makes his move. Checking all the boxes. <laughs> he makes his move and is summarily rejected. Man, he's the whole package, though. I know. He's got it all. He's even a teacher. So much money in that. Yeah. Um. So he runs away. And, uh, like, rides out of there real fast on his broken-down horse. Mm-hmm. And finally, finally, we get haunted. How many pages from the end are we? There are 40 pages to this story. I'm on page 32. Okay. <laughs> All right, we're more than three-quarters of the way in. So, has this ever happened? Finally hap- a ghost. Has this ever happened to you, Andrew? If you, like, I don't know how often you watch scary movies. I don't know if that's your jam. It isn't traditionally in my jam, but go ahead. Have movies... I have, I have ever watched. So movies, movies have spooked you before. Yes. Okay. After you watch something spooky, do you just find other stuff spooky? Like if you're moving around your house or you're like walking home from the movie. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, like I'll... I'll um, I don't know. I'll be thinking about the thing that happened in the movie and then like... I don't know, like, stuff from the movie will start to, what, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, <laughs> I think yes is the answer to your question. Yeah, that's fine. I thought you might have, like, a, an anecdote, but it's cool. No, just, well, there is an anecdote, but we've been so anecdotal on the show already. It, like, I was a kid, right? Yeah. Have you ever seen Pee-wee's Big Adventure? Yes. Okay, so there's that part of Pee-wee's Big Adventure where that ghost truck driver picks him up. Uh-huh. And then she t- she's telling this ghost story, and then she gets to the end and reveals that she's the ghost, and they do like that scary claymation. Oh no, God! Monster face. Oh with God! Her. And the first time I saw Pee Wee's Big Adventure, I <laughs> I was I was somewhere between six and nine. Oh, that's a terrible time to see that movie. And I was just freaked <laughs> out. I liked the rest of it. I like the bike stuff. I liked like the the tequila dance with the big shoes. I like the whole. I liked all of it, but not so much with the scary trucker face. No, that's too much. It's too much. I did not like Large Marge. Oh God, I was trying to f- not remember her name the whole time no, you were talking def- about it. Definitely Large. Not Marge. okay. All right. So basically, Ichabod's getting Large Marge as as he goes <laughs> home. All right. So he's like riding home on his crappy horse. And everything he sees is the Chevy spooky. Nova of horses. <laughs> uh, he's a gremlin of horses. He keeps seeing gremlins as he's going. Um, and it the story is like taking pains to point out that like when he hears a weird noise, actually it was a tree, or he 
thought he he heard lightning, but it was it was just something else. I don't know. Angels bowling. <laughs> God being upset that he's below average. Um. So then he sees the headless horseman, or at least what he thinks is the headless horseman. I know we're you, like you don't oh. even know if it's the real headless horseman. Well, he sees a shape that looks like a headless horseman. So it's like a log. No, it's a it's a thing on a horse that's like moving with him and chasing him. All right, all okay. right. Tell me more. So he's riding and he's galloping and he's trying to get away and he's trying to lose this ghost that's chasing him. And we're gonna get into spoiler town for two hundred year old story. Get ready. All right. So. He's running, he's running to the church because that's where uh, he feels safest, but that's also where the Headless Horseman likes to keep his horse. Uh-oh. Oh, no. So he's going over the bridge to the... to you, the. What? You think the church patrons would like not... You know, <laughs> whose horse is this? Is this your horse, <laughs> Gary? Who, who left this ghost this, horse here? <laughs> is this yours? How do you tie it up? It's a ghost. It could just walk away. That doesn't ghost ropes. Ghost. You gotta get those ghost ropes. Yeah, you gotta have ghost ropes. <laughs> Jonathan Old Styles ghost ropes. Yeah. Um so he tries to cross the bridge. He tries to get across, and the headless horseman throws his head at him. Kabam. <laughs> and Ichabod goes okay. tumbling and falls off the horse. Okay. And then we cut to the next morning. The old horse was found without his saddle. Ichabod is nowhere to be seen. And there's pumpkin pieces on the ground. Where Where's Ichabod? He's gone. He's gone? Brom Bones and Katrina get married. And, everyone, and some dude from New York comes down and he's like, hey. Or no, he's a farmer from somewhere in New York. He goes, hey, I heard Ichabod's in some other town. He became a judge. He ran away. And then all the old ladies in town say, no, I think it was the Headless Horseman got him. <laughs> it was just some kids pranking him, and then they threw a pumpkin at him. Uh, No, Andrew, because every time Ichabod's name came up, Brom Bones got an all-knowing all look on his face. Oh, so it was Brom Bones. That's, I think it was Brom Bones. So there is not even a ghost. It was just Brom Bones yep. picking on him. Yep. Welcome to the disappointment that is the legend of Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> That is lame. Yeah. What is all? What is the the hit television show on Fox all about, dude? That's it's about still real just, ghosts and time traveling and still monsters. just Brom Bones. No, that like is... Brom Bones told everybody to like act like they were from the future and invent cars and <laughs> and pretend <laughs> that there was a headless horseman just to just to get back at Ichabod. No, because Sleepy that that show this week on the series finale of Sleepy Hollow. It was Brom Bones all along. No. So this story is... Whoa, my mic's falling over. I'm so upset. Um, whoa. This story is kind of a letdown. It sounds like a letdown. I think, like... I'm let down. I didn't even read it. I can understand why every adaptation of this story has strayed so far from the source material. Because the source material totally sucks. It's, I, I might have. I, I'm not gonna say it totally sucks. I'm, it's totally not actually a ghost story. That's what's interesting. It's a ghost story about a ghost story. It's not even a ghost story. You know what I mean? Yeah, like there's no ghost in it. There are just ghost stories in it. 
which is I feel like we've I mean there was a little bit of that when I read Turn of the Screw, but that actually had ghosts in it. I mean, if it wasn't ghosts, it was that lady was crazy, but at least there were like some ghosts. Come on. <laughs> I could tell it was Brom Bones the whole time. I've been set up by the, the story to you know that it, was it wasn't Brom real. Bones? I really wanted it to be real, Andrew. I'm sorry. It's okay. I don't I don't know what to tell you. Just I'm I'm also disappointed. I'm trying to deal with this and Well, I went and I read I can't like help you through uh, it and just get also, me through this. <laughs> yeah. I went and I read a summary of Rip Van Winkle to refresh my memory. And I was expecting that to have a similar like Shyamalan he everyone's playing a trick on the old man the whole time like ending. Uh-huh. No, that dude literally slept for 20 years. There was like supernatural moonshine that put him to sleep you can't do that every time like and and you know it's it's interesting that you mentioned Shyamalan because if you do the boring twist ending every time then nobody's gonna read your books anymore so yeah I guess hmm it was funny when I was going doing research on Irving after I read this and there was a quote from Poe basically being like hey listen guys we need to separate what was really good about Washington Irving for being the first writer versus him just being a writer. <laughs> Something about like separating the pioneer from the writer, which I thought was a very gentle way of being like, hey, maybe he's just okay. Maybe he wasn't that good. I don't know. That's, I I was just thinking about the about the viral marketing thing, like. When you're the first person to do something, it's pretty easy to be to like corner the market on it. Yeah. And be really like good at it. Well, not even good at it, but like successful at it. And it's interesting too that it's, he's the first American writer, but he was definitely copping from German folklore. Like there's a there's a lot of instances of a kind of headless horseman character in German folklore. Um which is interesting because the horseman's supposed to be a Hessian. Um, there's nothing new under there the is sun. nothing new under the sun or under the shattered pumpkin um from what i've learned but it's interesting it's i i it spends a lot of time as i kind of elucidated telling us about these people without having them do a lot and I don't know if you've if you've found that to be the case in some of these older stories that we've read, but I I feel like that's definitely a style of the times. You mean just describing the characters more than describing what the characters are doing? Yes. I can't. Uh, you know, there's no individual book that comes to my mind. I'm trying to think if like Jekyll and Hyde did any of that and you do definitely spend a lot of time like getting descriptions of Hyde but then there is also a clear like narrative through line and the story is the point of it even though you do spend a lot of time with the characters yeah i don't know yeah i don't know it's so for such a go. for such a like huge myth in our culture i was surprised by it basically being a love triangle where a dude got hit in the head with a pumpkin. Yeah, that's not very good. That's, <laughs> that's no, I see dead people. No, like, and you can extrapolate a whole. You can extrapolate stuff from it. Like Irving was writing this story when he was an ex, basically an expatriate in London, and it is about an outsider moving to 
another culture's community. And getting a pumpkin thrown at him. You can, I kind of alluded this earlier when we when we were talking about whether or not we like Ichabod or Brombones more. And let's face it, Brombones has a far better name. Um, now, Brombones is the cooler dude. Who, and he gets a girl in the end. Yeah, he does get the girl in the end. He's he's painted as a, as a lovable mischief maker. He's not a, a fine upstanding gentleman. Uh, but he's also not a weird, voracious, lustful teacher either who hits kids who hits kids <laughs> so i was i there was one lecture that i read after uh, after i read the the book that was talking about like whether or not this story actually has a hero and if you want to look at it that way it's kind of interesting um in that it's it's, it's a yeah. you know prototypical type of story that kind of eschews having that you know stereotypical protagonist i don't know there's yeah i mean there's no clear protagonist and antagonist it's just a bunch of stuff that happens <laughs> modernism ahead yeah. of its time he invented viral marketing you might as well invent like meta stuff too i don't know yeah it's also interesting that for me anyway uh i told you i want to talk about this briefly is that because this is based on a real place and it's based for all i know on a on a real legend that may or may not have existed in that place, right? Terrytown. Okay. Sure. Um, and the cemetery that they talk about in the book is a real place. It's the old Dutch Reform Cemetery in in Terrytown, which changed its North Terrytown changed its name to Sleepy Hollow in accordance with Washington Irving's wishes and his will. Thank you very much. <laughs> Didn't know you were allowed to do that. <laughs> You get mad about these towns like changing their name to Budweiserville or whatever it is. I didn't. I want to put. What town name would you change in your will, Andrew? What town name would I change? And what would you I don't change know. it to? That's an interesting question. Do you do you know? Did you think about this? No, I just came up with this right now. I mean, Moral, Ohio, the tiny little village where I where I came up i guess uh-huh I'm trying to think what i i would rename it. i would definitely rename it something and i think that like there are 10 people there so and they don't have anything else <laughs> to do so i think i would probably just name it like andrewville <laughs> with a question mark on the end yeah <laughs> Right, I have to name it something that really confused people's GPSs or something. Oh, what if you like renamed? Oh, I would rename Camden, and I would make it an Interrobang. I would just make it the name of the town would be a question mark and an exclamation point. Oh, that would be good. No, I, I'd rename. I would rename Moral Recalculating. Oh. <laughs> so we'd always throw off GPSs. Like, <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so Terrytown's a real place, and real people lived there, including Washington Irving. Including the Van Tassel clan. It's like a whole bunch of people named Van Tassel. Mm-hmm. Um, of whom I believe my girlfriend is a descendant, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Like her grandparents on her dad's side are actually buried in the like newer version of the same cemetery that's in the in the book. Which oh, is cool. kind of neat. Uh, and maybe Brom Bones was 
was your girlfriend's like great great grandfather. Something like that. Something like that. They they claim that she was based Katrina was based on one of two Van Tassel women um that Irving got to know. And Ichabod Crane was apparently the name of a real person that he met, though the school he was not liked him very much. No, I know. <laughs> Uh, though he was not a school teacher, someone else was that he also, I guess, didn't like very much. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but I just think that's neat because I I have no idea how far back my family goes past ninety years, maybe if that. And I was just talking about that with my parents like yesterday. I'm I'm, get, I'm getting to that part in my life where I kind of want to know that stuff, but I haven't done any of the work on it yet. Yeah, me neither. My my mom was telling me. That they thought briefly that we were like we had a fraction of um, African American blood, uh huh. But it turned out that someone had just like filled out a form wrong. No. <laughs> so yeah. No, I don't know. I my my grandmother once told me that Thomas Edison married into our family. I don't know that, if I believe her. I did go to school with someone who was descended from Robert E. Lee. Oh, that's cool. Because apparently, like all all the Lees everywhere are just like have him as the. Is he just Genghis Khan of the South? Is he just father every child in the South? Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's pretty funny. (laughs) So yeah, that's that's all I got. I think that's that's kind of an anticlimax. That whole book. It is a little bit. It's the the chase. Ichabod's chase is certainly intriguing because the whole time for me anyway i was hoping that something spooky would really happen <laughs> um and he is certainly it's not to be no it's not to be and he's certainly spooked he's scared out of his hungry little mind um but ultimately he just gets hit in the head with a pumpkin and runs away and that's that's your that's your legend great job yeah what if that is the legend of sleepy hollow I, like is the legend supposed to be the horseman story or is it once upon a time, there is a man who came to town, <laughs> and we threw pumpkins at him till he left. That's the legend. That is the legend of Sleepy Hollow. Great job, Andrew! <laughs> you you won the prize. I fig- I figured it out. Uh, I win. If you also are related to an American myth, um, if you are a descendant of Paul Bunyan or his ox, you can uh, write us about it. And confess uh, that to us at overduepod at gmail.com. If you want to put it on Twitter, you can tweet it at us at twitter.com slash overduepod. Or post pictures of your genealogical tree to facebook.com slash overduepod. Where a lot of people have, uh, have shared some recommendations for Spooky October with us. I'm going to try and run them down real quick. Spooky. Eric... Rob, Z, Lee, Kirsten, Alex, Annie, Sean, Erica, Kevin, Rob again, uh, and a bunch of other people kind of liked it. So it seems like that drew everybody out of the woodwork and it really uh, warmed our hearts to see such a a great reception. I also want to thank... It warmed our hearts and it chilled our souls. Yeah, I was really really spooked at all the stories that you knew. Uh, I also want to thank Lee for giving me a birthday shout out on Twitter That, that made my day. Um, last week so thanks cool um we also have a website up at overduepodcast.com 
where we have all of our, you know, we have the current episode, we have our back catalog. We usually have the next two books that we're going to read. We actually do right now, like right this second, or at least as I am speaking this, we do. (laughs) (laughs) So that's cool. Uh, We also have Amazon links to the books that we have read and are going to read. So if you want to read along or if you liked or really were nonplussed by a book that we that we read you can you can click those links you can buy the book you can support us um cover some of our hosting costs and some of our book costs uh we really appreciate that a lot and we also have rss and itunes feeds and if you um subscribe in itunes do also leave us a rating and or a review because that helps us in the rankings and it makes us feel good about ourselves um I think that's pretty much it. Um, next week, I'm going to read uh, Rosemary's Baby by somebody, by Ira Levin. Huh. You know what that's about? It's about a baby. S- Devil baby. S- oh, sounds spooky. Yeah, it is going to be spooky, oh. except it's like the baby is a pumpkin <laughs> all the time. Uh, that's just like Ira Levin. Is that just another pen name <laughs> for Washington Irving? Jonathan Old Style or whatever his name was. <laughs> Jonathan Crayon Face wrote another pumpkin story. All right, guys. Um, steer clear of pumpkins. And until next week, try to be happy. <laughs>